Fulfillment shows up after a solution is earned. Anything worth having first requires both effort and sacrifice. No matter who you are or what you do, whether you're a single mom or a CEO, the common denominator is this, that we all have a seven-day hustle. They don't all look the same, but they're there regardless of our situation. Here's the thing. Struggle shouldn't always produce more struggle. If done right, it should result in a dance. What we do throughout these seven days reflects directly on our progress forward. Are you on a timeline here? You in time time con, con, constraint? Uh, here's the thing with me in time. <laughs> I, I schedule things like to the minute. Like my calendar is my life. My problem right. is to this day, I have yet to figure it out. I always seem to overextend every appointment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like, mean, you have that problem too, huh? <laughs> seven day hustle is like, it's in my time zone, 10 to 11. Now we're 10, 22. And that's not, uh, I can, I can go for like an hour. It's no problem. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if we have to stop at a certain point, then just, then just tell me, but otherwise I'm just going to take up the next five hours of your day. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's another one of my biggest flaws is like, I, I will be sitting there actively listening to somebody enjoying the conversation while at the same time thinking, I told my wife I was going to be home half an hour ago. I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> Does she understand that about you or hold it against you? Or like, is she, she kind of roll her eyes like, yeah, go figure. Bro, we. So it, it's okay. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Ready? Okay. Yeah. I'm a good guy. I don't really, I don't, I'm not a jerk. Like, I'm not a. But the by far the jerkiest thing that about me is my disrespect for other people's time because I mismanage mine. Ah. Like, and, and, and so Robin knows that, and she's like, she works with me on it. But we've also had some pretty real conversations where she's like, "You will, you will make time for other things, or and, and blow through an appointment." Okay, right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get too far into it. So, cause I, I do that same thing too. And I, and I kind of like, I have to ask myself, all right, whose time am I disrespecting? Or I'm going to have to disrespect somebody's time. It's either the person next in line or it's the person I'm in front of right now. <laughs> you have to choose. <laughs> you do. Um, so my internet has been, I I'm, so I actually just finished up one with uh, Keith Calloway senior. Um, and my internet is kind of cutting today, so we can either roll with it or I can, we can stop. I can reset my computer, see if that will help and we can get back at it. It's done it like twice. It's just like, it cuts up for like two seconds. I don't know. Just, and, and the funny thing is when it comes back, you just talk faster and it catches up. I don't know. That's right. Fine. Right. I, I feel like people can fill in the blanks. You know, it's oh, it's yeah. it's just it's real life. It's what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> okay. A... When you fill the air. Yeah. Say what now? <laughs> when when you cut out for the purposes of the recording, I'll just make random noises to fill the dead air when you're <laughs> when your thing's gonna Okay, so now we have sound effects on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get them, I got them I'm ready to go. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so you're, I mean, it's actually a good, a good something to, to bring up because like you're from what I see from you, you're very good with, with time structure. And honestly, like 
on the receiving end of it, when you say I have to start at this time, and then when you say, all right, I've got to move on to the next thing, like me personally, I don't take offense to that. I actually look at that as yeah. somewhat of encouragement to try and do the same thing implement in my life. It's like, all right, well, if, if Cam's able to do it and willing to do it and he's sticking to his guns, like I need to be better at that too. So from, for me, it's encouraging for me when you stick to your time schedule. <laughs> yeah. Like it was taught to me, right. Uh, Cause I had terrible time management, but mm -hmm. that is still a struggle is what you just said is totally true. I respect when somebody's like, I got to go bye. Yeah. But it's hard to be that person. Also, I'm Canadian, so it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is hard. And so if somebody doesn't understand that, I kind of think it's their problem. I think you're right. You know, I still feel a little bit guilty, but it's it's a you problem. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you're you're totally right. on the most basic fundamental level can appreciate that. Like if you're a busy person as yeah. you know, especially as a business owner, you yeah. got stuff to do. You can't always drop everything and make time. That's something I think about a lot. Actually. Um, we have in winter, I'm going to go on a little tangent in yeah. winter. Um, like our, our employee count goes way up. And for one reason and one reason only, well, we bring in a couple of snow operators, but it's because of, uh, we have a lot of casual shovelers, like a lot. Okay. Casual, they're in an on-call group. So like on paper, it looks like we have 25 employees. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, actually more, I think it's like 28, but we really don't. But anyways, it's funny if, if one shoveler or two, you know, come in once a day just to chat or, or, you know, say what's up or when are we working next? And man, does that ever compound in a hurry? And that just grinds my gears. Not them coming in. I like the people, but yeah. the time and like, oh, I just can't, I can't just drop what I'm doing for 15 and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. We, so I actually just went through that with Brandon um, <clears throat> because he's doing a lot more. I, I, a, I'm delegating a lot more and separating myself from as much as I possibly can so I can focus on what I need to do, which means that, He's then taking over things, just communication, delegation, execution of day-to-day -day operations. You know what I mean? Like that's not my best use of my time at this point. In some cases it is depending on what we're doing, but in most cases it's becoming that it's not my best use of my time. And so since I've traveled yeah. through a lot of that learning curve for myself and now he's in there, when he comes to me with a problem because this just happened recently. I said, well, how'd, how'd things go? And he kind of had this look of like, well, it went pretty good, but I don't know how to handle all of these, like my time. Like I, and he said, I can't get done the things that I need to do because I'm helping other people with things that they're supposed to be doing. And I thought, yes, you're learning. Like, I'm glad that you're struggling with this right now because it means that we're growing and it means that you're being challenged with new things. And so I, it just clicked to me in that moment. And I said, all right, well, you, you need to look at it in this, in this framework. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a whiteboard fanatic. So I generally don't have a conversation, a teaching conversation without drawing a visual representation, especially if we're here. And so I said, look, you've got three main categories of your time. Okay. There's on top, 
there's a business, okay? You've got your top priorities that the business needs to achieve today. And then below that, you've got your priorities that you need to achieve today. And below that, you've got priorities that the person beneath you needs to achieve today. Okay. Mm -hmm. If what they're coming to you for doesn't circle back to a priority for the business, it doesn't require your time in the middle. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? So you have to look at where you're placing mm. your time on, on the priority scale. Is your time, are they coming to you because they need help with a priority that's above you or below you? If it doesn't correlate to what the business needs to accomplish today, then it's not a right now problem. You know what I mean? And they need to figure it out for themselves. That's a great way of looking at it, especially when you have a lot of employees. Yeah. Because then if you're stepping below then your priorities and the business's priorities aren't being achieved, mm -hmm. you know? So, and it, and it can be something simple because what we, what the, the issue was, um, the dump truck didn't, one of the turn signals wasn't working. Okay. Is that dump truck needed to achieve a main priority of the business today? <laughs> yes or no. If it is, and they can't solve the problem themselves, then now it requires your attention. If mm -hmm. it isn't needed today and your main priorities are need to be focused elsewhere, then that can be put on a list for tomorrow because it might be tomorrow's priority. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you delegate that out. So it was, um, th that's just something that we, we recently came across and it was like, it just, it hit me in, in a, in a split second of, um, like how to um how to look at that so give me give me just one second because i have one of the guys come in and he's been very hey, patient see. with me i'll i'll hop the question i'll answer the question mm -hmm. i'll just tell a joke for the audience while we're waiting yeah i need a good joke yeah i've got it, it yeah i i would say don't don't wait for me to figure it out well, I know how to do it. I just don't need to try. I'll, if, I'll figure it out. Okay, sounds good. Like, live looking. <laughs> See, case in point, it happens, you know, it happens all the time. See, it's so funny that just happened. Yeah. So funny to me that that just happened because I was just recording with Marvin before I was chatting with you. And okay. I'm, I'm, I'm at, at work and usually... If I record at work, it's like super early in the morning before anyone gets here, or I'll just do it at my house. But I'm actually like upstairs. We got like new yeah. pool table up there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm upstairs in the mezzanine and I look recording in progress. Um, but like I, nobody cares if somebody walks in in the middle of a podcast, whatever. It's yeah. Fine. I mean, and I like, I'm kind of glad that I, that I set the framework for this podcast, how I did, because I don't need to try and what is the framework? <laughs> The framework is like, you know, the, the seven day hustle is just whatever goes on in seven days. If somebody walks in in the middle of okay. like, I can't stop. Like there are things that keep going that I have no control over. You know, there's other people that are trying to accomplish things that I ask them to do and they're trying to do it for me. There's also a, there's also an expectation of, you know, continuing on this podcast. So be, am I going to stop? 
recording these podcasts because he might need me for 30 seconds. No. Am I going to make it awkward for everybody involved? No, it's just like, look, this is what I'm dealing with. So you guys right. might as well have a behind the scenes look too. You know, it is what it is. If you don't like it, don't listen. <laughs> Can I just pay you a real compliment here about that? Like that is the correct attitude. Like, you, could, you could go too extreme with that, obviously, and just not yes. give a crap. But, but um, okay. Our finance man. Oh no, I have to convert it to miles. Uh, 400 miles away. Okay. Okay. 700 kilometers. So she works. She, yeah, she's in another province over. Okay. So, um, we communicate on teams all day. So all, all day I'm on teams. So if she needs something, she sends me a message. We video chat, whatever. We're always on Microsoft teams. Um, and she has a program bro, Microsoft teams. It's like, uh, um, I don't know how to explain it. it. It's big business collaborating networking where you can chat with people. It just connects people in business, right? Sure. Teams and, and Google Meet, I think things took off. But anyway, she she works at home. Like the main office for the company that she's with is in another city, so she works at home. She's got a kid, and sometimes we'll be on a video call, and her her three or four year old will just go like ape, like just full on, like you know, it's a kid. <laughs> I have I Kyle, I have two kids. Like I know how it works, and she'll like apologize profusely, like so sorry. Yeah. And I've told her like I don't know, like she now knows. I think she's better now, but I've yeah. told her like you're working at home. You're a human being. I have two kids, so I know how it goes, but what you just did there with him and saying like, just like, we're going to just give me a second. Mm -hmm. When I started working with, uh, my Claudio business calls, one-on-one -on -one coaching, sometimes his kid would come in in the middle of the business call mm -hmm. and like, yeah, he might, you know, say like, apologize for it. But at the same time, he flat out told me the exact same thing you did, which is like, Bro, like this is what it is. I'm coaching people 12 hours a day in my bedroom at my house and my kids are home. So like, what am I going to do? Like put a padlock on the door? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not even a thing. So no. Well, and I think that it, it, truthfully, it's, it's all relatable because nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's, you know, no, no, it, it's just not that way. That's not reality. And so if I'm willing to just accept what it is and, I'm not afraid to show you how it is as well. It's going to then make you feel more comfortable and bring me a little bit closer to reality and it says, all right, I can connect with this person now because whatever he's got going on is very similar to mine. And when we start to mask, when we start to feel like we have to put a veil in front or put a face on for the rest of the, I mean, it's, it's fine for some people if they want to do that. Great. For me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need to do that, you know? And, and I feel like I would, it just, I'm okay with it. I am. Boom. Is this recording going on video on YouTube or anywhere? Anything like that? Yeah. So I have not started the, the I haven't put the videos out yet. Um, oh, that's fine. So if I screen share with you something about time management, will other people? Eventually, eventually they will see it. Yes. Okay. Well, I got to be careful because it's got like names. So I'll just describe it then. I was going to show it to you, but I'll just describe it. I love what you just did. What are we talking about today? Are we talking, what, what's, what are we doing here? <laughs> so what we're talking about is I, I wanted to, A, we, we kind of got on the, I'm just intrigued by your time management things. And I was going to ask you if you have any tips for time management. Um, okay. But the main source or, or the main topic that I wanted to to bring up is like, 
you've gone from nothing to massive business in a very short period of time. And you know that, and it's something that is, you know, we're a small percentage of a small percentage to begin with, but then you're even another small percentage of that because of how much you're willing to take on and how you delegate it. And, you know, you, you just exponential growth is an understatement for what I see you doing. And one of the last times we've talked, um, either video or, or I can't remember exactly where it was, but you, you had mentioned, you had said the word grotesque and I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a big word, you know? And it was in relation to snow removal, you know? And, and it's like, you're like, we have a grotesque amount of snow removal and you weren't completely confident that it was <laughs> that you were sold on it, but you're doing it is the thing. And so regardless of whether you are confident in it or not, you're providing value and a solution to everybody else that didn't already, in other words, have one. And the end result of that is, is people are satisfied with what you end up bringing them whatever struggle you have to go through in order to achieve that is irrelevant because what is relevant is that you're being in a space that's uncomfortable doing something that you might think is a little bit crazy and figuring it out as you go through it um kind of like a i'm gonna jump in the deep end with no floaties um oh by the way it i jumped off a boat and the boat left um so it's not like a pool to where you can swim to the side and that's where I see you doing, going with snow removal, which, um, you know, I, truthfully, I feel like I need to hire you to coach me on how to get snow removal to that level. Mm. You know, well, well, I appreciate it. Um, I will say this just about snow in, in my market. I, I only have my market to go off of, so I don't know what it's like anywhere else. I have a sneaky, sneaky suspicion though, Kyle, that, um, similar to line striping beneficiaries of being a snow provider in a market where it's, when I say desperate for reliable contractors to do snow, I mean like desperate, the, the insurance situation in Canada precludes so many small businesses from getting into it. Mm -hmm. If you are an owner operator, so like you own a skid steer and you have, you know, your landscape company in the summer or whatever. Mm hmm if you just have the one piece of equipment, it's, I don't want to say impossible, but it's justifiable business plan to operate in snow removal for five months, just because of the cost of insurance alone. So to put in, in simple terms here, like when I started snow, just me and a helper, mm -hmm. the cheapest we could get for the year was 12,000 bucks Canadian. Um, now we're up to 28,000 and we're still getting a deal based on the size of properties we have. So the problem is for if you're just one for insurance, that is coverage, um, you know, any incidents, commercial general. Mm -hmm. So when we were just striping, it was like, I don't even know. It was like a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks a year or whatever. Not a big deal. Me and a couple helpers. Mm -hmm. As soon as I went to snow, 12,000. And then as soon as we took on multi-tenant properties, 25,000, this year we got, we were originally quoted 42. We meant we had to go to a different provider, unfortunately. So now we're at 28. So just because of that alone, I just want to make sure that that's like out there, like the, the insurance situation, Canada's messed up. So we are the beneficiary of that, like mm -hmm. because 
it's not worth it for him to operate in snow anymore. He was doing it. Joe Blow's landscaping here five years ago was doing it because he could keep his guys busy. Mm -hmm. He had the skid steer already. You might as well go plow snow for the winter. Right. Well, now when you have to chalk up 15 grand just to cover the insurance, like that's a huge part of your operating expense. Those guys aren't, those guys aren't doing it anymore. So now um, even small, big properties, like there's a huge shortage. So we've, we've benefited from that, but but. So what so what you did is if you're gonna go, you can't go all you can't go part way, you have to go all the way. You know, it's essentially is what you're telling me. And most people I feel like would look at that and say, Well, I can't do it because of X, Y, and Z. And you look at it as well, that's just a problem I have to solve. Okay. If I'm if we're gonna do it, then that means that this cost would need to bring in this much or it wouldn't this much work would I have to have in order to justify this cost. So it's just a matter of, well, here's the problem. I've provided the solution. You are also willing to take on that solution, which is can be a big undertaking, which most people won't. But in the end, it's probably going to be pretty profitable for you. It's that simple. Like I, I've only been in business five years, but I know enough to know that when you have a market specific problem, that's a good thing because you just need somebody to step up and solve it. That's not a problem for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, directly speaking, it is. I didn't enjoy opening my wallet and pay $12,000 the first year. Mm-hmm. But if I problem, and as long as you are operating with the sense that you can provide a real viable solution and do it better, why would you not do it? Mm-hmm. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. Um, however, that being said, I, have I ever told you the story of the conversation I had with Mike about snow removal? I know there was one. I don't know if you told me the story or not. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll sum it up quickly to start, then we'll get into the meat. So the, the short version is, uh, 2020, my stroke uncontrollably, but like I was the classic owner operator. Mm-hmm. So I was selling the jobs, doing the estimates, invoicing. I was doing it all, had a helper but I couldn't keep up. And so August, 2020 came around. This was through COVID too. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, Kyle, I was like, I don't know what to do. I told my wife, like, I, I'm not going to be able to fulfill all these jobs. I'm stressed out. I want to make people happy. Mm -hmm. Long story short, Mike Claudio, I get connected with a business consultant named Mike Claudio. And, uh, I sign up. And during the intake call, um, that's one of the first things he asked me. He's like, well, you're in Canada. It snows. I don't imagine you do line painting in this, in the winter. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, at this point, nothing. That's another reason why I hired you. Cause I want to come up with something. And he's like, well, I imagine it snows up there. And I launched, and I mean, I launched into a three minute, like tirade about like how I will never get into snow. <laughs> I, snow is the stupidest industry because it's entirely weather dependent. I used to be in town. I was in the maintenance department. I was kind of involved in not hiring them, but like kind of overseeing the snow of the mall. Yeah. And like, it was a gong show. It's like, it, it's just terrible. So anyways, I'm explaining this to Mike, like snow is broken. And then I start telling him about insurance. I'm like, I already know insurance is so expensive. And like, I don't like to operate equipment. I can get in a skid steer. I'm capable, but like it legit gives me a headache. I don't want to be that guy. And it's so I'm just like going off, like all these reasons why I will never do snow. 
And he patiently sat there and he, he said, so let me get this straight. Where people to do snow removal are dropping like flies. There's a huge shortage and you're not going to do it because you feel like you have to be in the seat operating it. Did it ever occur to you that you could sit on your couch and sell snow removal jobs and manage them and have somebody else do that? Mm-hmm. Like sat there like an idiot, right? Like, <laughs> like how did I not think of that? But that's the classic small business guy, right? You, yeah. I started laser from nothing. It was just me and a minivan. Like, yeah. To have somebody like give you the permission to be like, Hey, you don't have to do everything. Yeah. And so there's another thing you said about, you know, growing really, really fast. Um, like I, I wasn't that way when I hired Mike, I struggled because I hired him in August. It starts snowing here in November. We had a very short time to put a snow plan together. And I told him like, I don't even own a piece of snow equipment. Like I'm going to have to go rent something. Mm-hmm. And it came out pretty dang quick that I, I basically told Mike, I'm not job to somebody, even somebody who trusts me. If I don't have the piece of equipment in my driveway, right? I feel like a fraud. Like I'm not in snow just because I got insurance doesn't mean I'm a snow contractor. Like I right. felt like a total fraud. So um, I used so, to be that. So disclaimer, you're saying this about snow, but this is applicable to everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> I just, because I just want to point that out for people that are listening. Well said, you know, this, okay, keep going. And, and you know what? I'll get rid that mike mike assured me that i wasn't a fraud but he said um selling selling the job so in this case it's snow but you're right it, maybe we're talking about somebody with asphalt maintenance or paving or and literally anything else selling the job is the hardest part he said it's it's the hardest part you will have a harder time selling that job to somebody than you will finding the way to actually do it Mm-hmm. And he said, you're not giving your is there part time after hours with a minivan, like towing a little thing behind my van. Like, mm-hmm. look at where you are now. I was doing six figures, had multiple pieces of equipment, was traveling all over for these crazy striping jobs. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, you've already demonstrated that you, and this is true for basically every business owner, mm-hmm. when they grow, you've proven as a business owner, you can do this. You person listening out there to seven day hustle, you've proven <laughs> that you can solve problems no right. matter what problem comes up. You've made it to this point. You've gotten this far by yep. <clears throat> have all the infrastructure in place and, and the equipment and all these things that you have to navigate when you've already proven that you can do that, sell the job, sell the project, right. sell the solution and provide a value-based solution. Don't just sell it for the money. If you're selling it for the money, you'll never make it. Right. And then go use your mental tools to go solve it. Right. That was a 180 for me, bro, in the biggest way. So now two years later, yes, that's why this company has grown so fast. Cause I've almost gone too far the other way where now it's like, I the second trade, I will get the second crew. I will expand out $600,000 in snow because I think we can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, you know, are, are you going to stop because you don't know? Are you going to, are you, are you not going to try because you don't know? No. The answer, I mean, the, the answer for, I know for you is no, but you mentioned, you know, 
not too long ago, you, you said classic business owner or classic small business owner. Okay. I would argue that it's classic small mindset because you can be a small business owner with a, with a large expanded mindset. You know what I mean? So generally what happens is a small business owner or a new business owner has a small mindset and you just need to expand one. You know what I mean? The other one is a choice. You can choose to expand your business, but you can always choose. You can you can always expand your mind and your processes if you want to grow your business. That's that's a choice that you can for you know you can decide for yourself. But you're walking into that with a small mindset just because you haven't thought of it yet, either because you didn't think big enough or somebody hasn't brought it up. You it's not you haven't been aware of it. You know what I mean? You chose to expand your mind and then expand your business. But you could have sat on your couch and managed two people. You know what I mean? Obviously there are there are factors like the insurance, you know, that that play a role into that, but you know, I just you said small business, classic small business owner, and I'm thinking, well, classic small mindset syndrome. Mhm. The funny thing about the first year of snow Kyle is it lost tons of money tons so when you say lost tons of money does that mean that you went into debt or that you didn't make as much as you could have in 2020 laser was three years old basically just me like i said i would have helpers here and there so margins and um so i had to some i had some money put away so i didn't have to go into debt for it mm -hmm. but on for the six months of snow season, it lost over $20,000, which is almost mind numbingly difficult to do because like, how do you possibly lose that when you like, all we had to do was rent a plow truck and I paid a guy to operate it. But between the plow truck and the insurance, the, that, that one year, 2020 it just happened to not snow either. The mm -hmm. operational plan that year with that I came up, you're brand new to the service. Why don't you leverage? We basically looked at it this way. Um, there are some core companies here that have been doing snow forever. They're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're going to be overextended because all the small guys are leaving. Mm -hmm. So now your big guys are going to have way too much. They're going to have small properties they don't want to work on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in with those guys and just say, I've got a plow truck. Here's the rate. You call me on one hour's notice. Mm -hmm. My guy will be there where, where yours will subcontract. Life's good. We took on some of our own the plan well it happened to not snow mm -hmm. so it lost about twenty four thousand dollars so it cost you twenty four thousand dollars to learn and that's just it like i paid to learn because snow is difficult right it's it's not like anything i've ever experienced mm -hmm. that lessons on how to operate and how to like customers expectations for snow like i'm still learning that bro we're still figuring that out i, I complain yeah. to you and, and hogate all the time about this like i'm still figuring this out um <laughs> but it was worth it. Yeah. Um, going into it, it, basically it takes a lot of cojones in order to do what you've done. Um, you know, how much is your business going to do this year? Uh, in the calendar year? Yeah. Uh, well, what did you do in 22? 22, 1.1 something. 
1.1 something million dollars from a striping company that you started how long ago? In what say say that again cut out. Sorry, 2018. 2018. So, I I think it's it's funny that that there's a lot of people that started right around the same space, me being one of them, because I started in 2018 too. Um, we 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 did a million dollars this year. When I say a million dollars, like it's just a tick under, but it's close enough to say we did a million dollars. Um, but what I look at is my average ticket for my industry is way higher than the average ticket for the striping industry. You know what I mean? And so it's like mm -hmm. that, that blows my mind, you know, um, how much of that was snow? Uh, well, that's so tough because you're breaking calendar. I don't want to get too a nuance here, but you're breaking a calendar month or calendar year right in the middle of snow. Okay. So put it this way. It's last year's snow program did around 300. Say, say that, that again. Say yes. Yeah, oh, I figured I saw you. I saw you twitch. So last year's snow for like the 2021-22 season did 350 grand in revenue. Okay. So still, I mean, you're you're three quarters of a million dollar in a striping, you know, it's like it that blows my mind because our average ticket price for what we do, you know, paving residential driveways, I would say is around twelve to fifteen thousand dollars, you know, and we can execute two of those in a day if 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 the right jobs lined up you know we can um that's that's about where 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 we've been the striping industry like i've never heard i mean a twelve thousand dollar striping job is pretty pretty big as as far as i know but then what's the amount of time it takes you to execute those things you know mm -hmm. but also the margins for us to you know a twelve thousand dollar job for us like our, our operating costs is is a lot higher like you don't have dump trucks you don't have a paver you don't have you know you're not paying uh you know eighty dollars a ton for material exactly you know, it's like man kudos to you i mean i was just talking with marvin recording with him we're talking about money like, I how do I say this? On paper, it sounds like a lot. It it, it is a lot. Like one point one million. That's a lot of money. You pretty openly like we don't have a lot of money to show for that revenue, because mm -hmm. it costs a lot of money to grow a company that fast. Yes. And to be honest, I'm not like a business trained person i've surrounded myself and connected with people who are much smarter and yes. hired a coach and and helped me to to progress that way mm -hmm. but i i don't get the enjoyment or the 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 true success of the the company itself laser line painting to me is not tied up in the revenue see but the fact is the success of it for me is what I'm looking at on my second monitor here, which I'm not going to show you because uh, <laughs> people are going to see it and it's got the names of my employees on it. But like it, it's uh, the, we have an accountability chart of every role, every position in the company signified in a box with people's mm -hmm. names in there. 
And under that each box, so under like summer crew lead and the guy's name, it's got the specific roles and responsibilities he's responsible for. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's to me is what makes it worth it is putting people in that position. Growing to seven figures. Like, I think, I think, um, like I'm pretty open about it in our team meetings every week. Like I told our team when we hit a million dollars and their face was kind of like, you're rich, <laughs> but, but I, I was very quick to explain, like we have expended so much money to do that. Like we are not a yeah. financially strong company. We're done. Like, well, to, to me, I don't, I don't get, uh, I don't get sidetracked by, by the numbers thinking that, Oh, you know, you, you just, you made a lot of money and it's all in your pocket. I, what i transfer that information to is a lot of work was done here. Like that, your revenue number is the smoking gun. Work was done here. You know, that that's what I relate that to. And then you look at the timeline and it's like, okay, that's impressive. It's not about how much money that was left behind. You know, those are those are like icing on the cake things or or you know, just just add-ons. I look at a lot of work was done here. And that's what's impressive to me. And so correct me if I'm wrong. And, and because I don't think that I am generally, I don't think that I am <laughs> now, generally you're bang on, buddy. You're good. <laughs> um, but, uh, just to insert a little arrogance there, <laughs> uh, but how I see you from a distance, okay. Is somebody that didn't have to be right. Um, and from a sense of pride is that you wanted to get it right. So, you had a small business, you started, you grew, you, um, you know, basically went under the wing of people that could coach you in the right direction. And your mentality for your business was more so along the lines of what do I need to do? Oh, okay. Well, then I'll do that. Most people in small business have the framework of what do I need to do? Well, I'm going to try it my way first. This is the way that I want to do it. And so most of their time is spent in the pool of their own ideas before they realize that, well, these aren't working. I should have just listened to somebody that's been here before and did it that way. You know what I mean? Or their pride will get in the way so much they don't want to admit it. And they keep trying to fit a square block into a round hole. Um, which mm-hmm. then you can talk about people getting in their own way, which, you know, determines their, their level of success. But am I wrong in seeing that about you as you pretty much just realize that, all right, in order for me to get from here to there, he's telling me how to do it, or they're telling me how to do it. I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to follow direction. Mm. I think I, um, I think most businesses smaller contractors especially would be way better served if they played offense more like don't play defensive so i watch a lot of football that's my thing i used to watch hockey Mm -hmm. and like you know defense does it win championships sure yes you need a good defense to win championships but i i've got this theory do you watch football kyle no i don't i would rather that's i would i would rather shit in my hands and clap 
Sorry. I remember you said that. Yeah, I remember this now. Okay. 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 So here's the, th- I'm going to, I'm going to give you like quick education. Anyone who's listening, who knows NFL football knows this already. Your team basically hinges on your quarterback, right? It, it just does. If you have a crappy with the rare exception of like the one team every once in a while, like the 2018 Eagles who won with Nick Foles, like you need a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes will win multiple Super Bowls mm-hmm. with the Chiefs because he's Patrick Mahomes. Aaron okay. Rodgers won because he's a, you. The quarterback is the life of your team. Okay. There's not, there's 32 NFL teams. There's not 32 all-star caliber quarterbacks. There's mm-hmm. only like 10. Mm-hmm. There's only 10. Mm-hmm. And some of them are drafted really high. Like their first round draft picks, they're expected to perform really high because this team knows if I get this kid at 21 years old and he's a superstar, that's the quarterback who will lead us to glory, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why NFL teams don't draft a quarterback every single year. Like, I mean, every year until they find the one that they need. Mm-hmm. Like teams will suck for 40 years. The Detroit Lions have sucked for 40 years. In that 40 years, how many times could they a quarterback multiple times until they found the one who would propel them to no longer suck? Mm-hmm. I just can't figure it out. Like you're not going to win with a crappy quarterback. You just won't. So stop trying to pretend like you will. So in business, contractors pavers asphalt maintenance your ceiling your striping whatever you're doing mm-hmm. okay so c- can can we can we make one one small adjustment i'm game because i don't feel like it's that much different from blue collar to non-blue collar so whether you're in the contracting space or not a lot of the problems and things that we're going to talk about are going to be relative across the board fair enough it, uh, yeah i i don't disagree okay why would you not try especially lower risk things to see if they work? Try 10 of them. And if only one of them works, lean into the one thing. Right. So you you know how it goes, Kyle, like, you know, we're business owners, we start businesses and then we get asked to do a crack filling job. Mm-hmm. Time and we start freaking out. We're like, yeah, I can do that. And then you start doing all these things, like try them. Why? Like, Try them and find the one thing that does work and then really lean into it. So with snow removal, I didn't know it was going to lose $24,000. Do I regret it? No, because it. I knew right after one year of doing it, I know exactly what to do better next year. I know exactly how it's going to go better next year. And we did. We brought it to $350,000 instead of you know losing twenty four grand. Like having them be afraid to take calculated risks don't take unnecessary ones don't bet the farm on buying a seal coat tank that's all your money like don't do that right but like even that okay like even just that example like i'm very pro finance i'm very pro debt because that's how we've grown this company so fast we've taken Mm -hmm. on a lot of financing a lot of debt Mm -hmm. so my mentality is really simple and and people like me have one in the last two years because of the escalating cost of equipment i bought crap two years ago that some people didn't have it. So I've the cost of me financing a cargo trailer. I'm already ahead of you because I bought it and you watched the price go up 40%. So, right. But just say you do that. Just say, say you buy a seal coat rig for 50 grand or whatever. And you're like, this is a lot of money. I'm going to finance it. You try it out and, and you have quality issues. It's not working. 
okay, you tried it, sell it, right? Like take, take a loss. It's right. not going to sink your company and go back to the thing that you're doing already really well. Right. You, I mean, you, you ex, you don't take very long to execute. And I've noticed that about you just, just in, in, you know, in our, in our friendship and our communication is you'll say things like, oh, I just did this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but we're going for it. <laughs> and what, <laughs> and it's like, well, he didn't put that much thought into what he did, but did he? Because the thought that was put in was not on how long do I hesitate? It's the thought that was put in is how long do I prolong my solution? Here's a problem. This is what will solve it. I'm going to go for it. It's a little bit scary, but I'm not going to stop. Like worst case scenario, I back out. You know what I mean? Like I, I give it back, I sell it, whatever. But the bigger concern is that I'm not solving the immediate problem that I see. Well said, you know, like I could even go back even farther. So when 2018, I bought the striper and was doing it evenings and weekends. Like I only did 25 grand in revenue. Like it was an experiment. Mm-hmm. And after one summer, at the end of that winter, I had a day job. I worked my day job through the winter. I got to like, it was February and I started booking striping jobs for the next year. And I was not intending on quitting my job. I was like, I'm just going to continue to work part-time. Mm-hmm. But I realized really quickly, oh my goodness, with how much work I'm booking now, like I'm going to be dead tired. I have two kids at home. I have a wife. I don't want to work 90 hours a week. So what do I do? Mm-hmm. I made the decision to quit my job. Financially speaking, what you just said about like, I'll just do it. Yeah that decision. And I've even told people this in my, in my striping Academy, that was a poor decision from a strategic standpoint, because I didn't have a plan. Like I didn't have my numbers down. I didn't know how much revenue I needed to book. I didn't know how many jobs I needed to sell. I didn't know any of that. I just, but with what you just said, like, obviously you've thought about it. I was comfortable enough knowing that this is probably going to work. And worst case scenario, this is what my wife told me too. Worst case scenario, if it doesn't, then I go back and get a job. It's not yeah. the. Yeah, I I think that, you know, you saying was was that was that a smart decision? You saying that it wasn't. I feel like you're saying that looking back on it from where you're at now. It was obviously the smarter decision when you were in the moment. You know. Cam Roberts, 2018 Cam Roberts or 2019, whenever, whenever that happened, that made sense to you in that moment that this is the right decision for me to make. 2023 Cam Roberts is looking back saying, okay, if you're going to do that, cool, do it this way. It will help you be more successful faster. Because I think the wrong decision, the actual wrong decision is not doing that at all. Because if you didn't make your 2023 20, wrong decision, then, then you would never be where you're at now. That's exactly it. Like you make along the way, some of them just don't work out. Like year one snow removal financially didn't work out quitting my day job at the beginning of 2019 with no real concrete business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, it worked out, but it, it, it couldn't have, mm-hmm. but like, you, I always just look at 
the downside? What's the downside? I still own my equipment. So if I quit my day job, I get to June and I go, Hey, Robin, like I'm making way less money than when I, if I had stayed at the glass company, then I'll just go get another job. I'll keep the equipment and buy it next year. Like there's always now we got ourselves in this box that there's only one or two ways to doing things. There's always ways of, of overcoming those issues. Yeah. If, if you feel like there's one of two ways to do things, that means that you're doing something because that's the way that it's always been done and you don't want to find another place to uh, another way to do it. Or you're thinking along the lines of this is the way that I want to do it. And I want to wake, make it work my way. If you're, if you're thinking that there's only one way to make it happen, then I feel like Pretty, you're you're working in one of one or two of those frameworks. Either you're doing it this way because it's the way that it's always been done, or you're doing it your way. Like just listen. I feel like people need to listen more. Just whatever you think, throw it away for a minute, or put it on the shelf. You can always pick it back up later if you want to, but just be open to receive and. That's where, you know, coaching and mentors and, and things like that, because the actual application of what the use of what you use the principle for doesn't matter, whether it's paving, whether it's striping, whether it's accounting, whether it's food service, whatever it is, you as a business owner or a person in leadership are the catalyst that makes it work or makes it doesn't or, or, or makes it make I'm twisting my words here, but it you are the one that either does or does not. You know, it all basically rides, rides on you. And yep. so just learn from somebody else for a minute, or at least be open to receive new information and try it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest with you, like the space that I'm in right now going into this season, I'm scared um, because my bills are a lot bigger than they ever used to be. You know, we... We got a lot of new equipment at the very tail end of our season. And um, I was talking to my office manager, Heather, yesterday. And I told her, I says, I'm scared for this next season. She says, why? I said, because it's going to take, in order for us to make use of the obligations that we've put ourselves in between equipment you know the, the new paver that we bought was two hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars and change it's going to be small to some people it's big to me um we went from having one dump truck to four um in a in a very short period of time well two, two to four but um so we went from having three employees last year we had up to nine this year and so it's like, all right, now that we've added on these big pieces of high overhead equipment at the tail end of the season, because we realized where our weakest link was, is that the equipment wasn't matching up to our demand. All right. Um, I don't have the credit, the history, or uh, you know, the, the borrowing capability to make these happen. What that means is I have to do it out of pocket and figure out how to struggle for a little bit in order to make it happen. But in order to absorb the long-term game, um, it just needs, I, I need these things and I need them now. We'll figure out the rest later. So now that I have them, it's like, all right, I have this massive, we'll call it a toolbox full of tools. Okay. 
I need a lot of people in order to make all those tools work. And so in order to sustain all of these things that I've now brought on, I need to hire five more people next year, you know, so at least ideally with what we have, I could hire a lot more. Um, it's going to be the right people because you can put yourself into a really bad position really quickly when you start getting high labor costs and high overhead and high equipment payments. You know what I mean? And so it's like, mm. I'm not going to lie to you. I have put myself in a position to where I'm scared for next year. And, but with that, I know that it's going to force me to be very, very intentional on the work we do put in or on the work we do take on how we execute those jobs, the accountability that I have, that I hold everybody to, because it's like, all right, we're not playing around anymore. Either everybody's on board or I'm going to kick you off the ship. Because if I just allow complacency to be a part of this, we're going to go down. Everybody's going to go down and I can't even blame you for that. I can, the only person I can blame is me because I allowed that to happen. You know, how you don't allow that to happen is you have to be five steps ahead of your problem at all times. You can't hold somebody accountable for a standard that you don't have. That's a huge difference. Yeah. I'm glad you said this. Like I, here I am talking about like draft quarterbacks, offense, buy stuff, go out and do it. Just for, quit your job. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a great mindset when you're, when you're a really small company, when you're, when you only have you and a helper, when it's only you and one employee, when you don't have a big overhead, uh, mm -hmm. you don't have the shop, you don't have the four dump trucks sitting all winter. Like, mm -hmm aggressive decisions and go on offense when you're smaller. But yeah, Kyle, like when you get to the whiteboard level that you're at and you've got like serious business here, like you can't just go out and recklessly buy stuff. Absolutely. But you know, everything that I was just blabbing about 10, 15 minutes ago is, is really for the guys who have been doing it for five, 10, 15 years and are still kind of in the same size. They'd like to do more, but they're not quite sure how to do more. And they're stuck in the way, like you, whatever it is that's holding them back. Those are the people who need to like take aggressive action and start trying things and seeing what works, throw out the crap that doesn't work and lean into the ones that do. Mm -hmm. If you and I start doing that now, Kyle, you hit it nail on the head. The ship goes, the ship goes belly up because you have office staff who are producing $0 in revenue. You have shop spaces that are costing you money every month. You can't afford to go like aggressively try stuff. And I've had to walk that line all this calendar year. Can like I've had to walk the line between how, what do I buy? When do I buy it? When do I hire? How many people do I hire? How many office staff do I need? How do we improve our operations and our invoicing and our workflow and all that things to make it more efficient? And it's like a constant 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 juggling act like i feel like i'm always walking the line between like this was a mistake this was this i should have done more here should have done less here mm -hmm. and the stakes are really really high so i that kind of fear that you have i fight the same thing like is this thing gonna work like this i could see this thing not working right like the only way that i've been able to stinking kyle taking the words right out of my mouth you have to be really intentional and that's 
if you don't have prior business training, if you like, you have to learn on the fly. Like I didn't know how to prepare a fiscal budget for my company. I don't enjoy doing it, but I have to do it. Otherwise I'm going to be sitting here freaking out, wondering if I'm going to be in business in spring. Mm -hmm. So I know that a challenge for me that I'm self-aware of moving into, into this next year is because I've, I've upped my responsibilities and my demands. I have to be careful that I don't come completely emotionless because when you don't have a high level of accountability or um, just, you know, I don't know if accountability is the right word, but lots of overhead, lots of responsibility, lots of accountability. Um, If you don't have those things, you operate more out of emotion because you want to feel a certain way. You want to have other people feel a certain way. You, you want to make your customers feel a certain way. And you're allowed to have emotion because you don't have very high demand. Okay. When you start putting yourself in a very high demand, you start to remove some of those elements of emotion. You know, it made it. And I say that because I'm able to say that because of this. And last year, it, it really taught me the lesson of what that looks like is, I'm sorry, I can't do your job for you, even at a much higher price than it should be at, because it's going to cost me thousands of dollars. When you look at it that way, it makes it really easy to say no. You know, for me to say no, to the customer, it comes it it comes across a little bit nicer. You know, there, there's bedside manners involved. Yeah. But for somebody that wants to grow big but doesn't have the demand or or, or the the overhead yet, mm-hmm. they feel bad saying no because it's like, well, I can do this for this person, I can do it for that person. Yeah, but it doesn't put you where you want. Well, yeah, but I feel bad saying no. Like, okay, I get that. You will that feeling will be removed when you don't have the option to say no, because you won't be able to serve anybody if your belly up broke and your company goes away, your employees go away, your customers go away, and you're not going to be able to serve anybody. So learn how to say no now the proper way, which is sometimes just say, Hey, I would really love to do this for you. The amount that I would need to charge you in order to do this isn't justifiable for what this job requires. You know, I have, I'm happy to refer you to some, to some people that I trust that could better do this for you, but this isn't a job that we are capable of taking on, you know, it, or something along those lines. People that don't understand, that's not your problem. What is your problem is the tens of thousands of dollars a month overhead. That is your problem. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you've got that overhead, it's time to put on your business, your business socks and actually start getting intentional with it. Yeah. So one thing that I've started to do, I'm running my third striping Academy right now. So the first one I was terrified. Second one, I was also terrified. This is the, finally the one where I'm actually into it. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited because I'm more comfortable with it, but like, if you can start building and starting to put on your business socks early, you, you will, you'll have a, like Kyle said, you'll have a way easier time saying no to those things that you you're only doing because you feel bad. So 
Um, I run a hypothetical scenario in the academy when we talk in the week about setting your, you know, there's so many small contractors and stripers who are like, you know, I want to do a hundred grand this year. That's my goal. And I always actually make people in my academy when they fill out the intake form, like what's, what's your calendar goal, revenue, what's your goal. And they'll be like hundred thousand dollars. That's my goal this year. And if you ask them, okay, what's the steps that you need to get there? And their eyes go big. It's not like an insult to them. It just means they haven't come up with the plan to do that. So in the academy, we actually walk through a scenario where, like, okay, if you want to do a hundred thousand and you have a 10-month striping season because you're somewhere warm or it doesn't snow a lot, like what does that mean? Like that means you need to do ten thousand dollars a month. Okay. So that's pretty straightforward. Okay. What does that look like per project? Like how many projects is it going to take you to do $10,000? We call that average project value. Mm -hmm. So if you realize that your average project value um, is, you know, $1,000 say, okay, mm -hmm. that means I have to do 10 projects this month at an average project all of $100,000. When you have even the most like elementary reverse engineering of those steps on how you're going to reach your goal rather than just saying, I want to do hundred grand this year. Mm -hmm. When that guy on the phone, this literally happened to me once when that guy on the phone at a hotel is asking you how much you're going to charge to paint 18 parking stalls. And you tell him you have a minimum charge of 800 bucks and he freaks out on the phone. Like, Oh my gosh, that's like 50 bucks a parking stall. What a ripoff. You're going to have an easier time saying no for 300 bucks. Now, how many projects are you going to have to do? How much more invoicing are you going to have to do? How much more selling are you right. like so much more work? Right. Whereas if you just broke it down, even into like average project value in striping industry is by far like one of the simplest, most elementary ways of doing that. Like if you look at all the jobs you do over a year, mm -hmm. divide it by the, your amount of revenue, that's your average project value. Mm -hmm. If you did a hundred jobs and you did a hundred grand, thousand dollars right? Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It there's a, I think there's time. A, you'll take all the emotion out of it. Just, I'm sorry. It, it like it froze. So I think I cut you. <laughs> no, you're good. I just said, I, I, I piggyback off what you said. It takes the emotion out of it. Yes. Yes. And, and I think the, the reason a lot of people are hesitant on doing that on, on saying no is because they don't know how to say no, or they don't know how to stick to their guns. Like it's just a matter of communication and being honest. That's it you're not necessarily being honest with yourself. So you don't know how to be honest with them and you don't know how to hold yourself to the standard. So you don't know how to, how to hold them to the standard as well. And the reason I say that is because it's really not that hard. Okay. Let's, let's take the, the, let, let's pick on the $800 striping for, for 15 spaces. How bad would it be if in order for you to not feel bad to this person, you would say, um, this isn't a very big job and I understand that, but in order for me to do it, we would need 800 bucks to come do this. How is that so bad? You're basically subconsciously telling the person, I understand that this isn't very big, but in order for you to hire me to come do this job for you, because it's something that you don't want to, or you don't have the capability to do on your own. I don't need to run you through the ranks of why I'm charging you 800 bucks. That's not information that you need to know. It's information that I need to know. Okay. What you do need to know is what I am and I'm not willing to do. 
if you would like me to give you all of my value that I'm, that I'm willing to give on your job, it's going to cost you $800, you know, and th there's nothing wrong with that, but almost having good bedside manners in order to say no, because there are going to be people out there that just need the job done and they would pay $1,600 in order to have it done. Bingo. You know? And so you, you can weed out the people that don't fit your alignment for your target by just having good bedside manners. You don't need to offend them and they don't need to take offense. It's just how you transfer that information between you to them. But you also have to be so confident in what you're trying to achieve. It doesn't come across as unjustified. Yeah. And you want to know like let uh, easiest sales tip in the world here for like minimum charge jobs, whether you're paving or whatever, mm -hmm. like when somebody freaks out at your thousand dollar minimum, because now our minimum is a thousand dollars. So when somebody freaks out at that, like, okay, first thing, it's entirely possible. That's not a client you need to be working with anyways, just because mm -hmm. you perform the service doesn't mean that that client needs you. You mm -hmm. might be too big. How it goes, but rather than like trip over yourself to be like, yeah, you're right. 800 bucks is too much. Like I can do it for 500 probably. Cause it'll take us an hour. It'll be super quick. How about you just say, is there something else we can do within our minimum charge to bring extra value to you? Is there something mm. else that we could do to make it worth your while? And you could even say the reason why we set our minimum where we do is because of we, we, we know how much time it takes us to um, work with a client through the invoicing process. And, you know, we don't want to get bogged down with too small a job. So rather than us discounting it and leaving you in that minimum charge to make it worth your while. Mm -hmm. You're, you're also going to realize that you either made the right decision or the wrong decision when you're there doing the job. Like that will connect. <laughs> that if you're, if you're gritting your teeth while you're striping, you made the wrong call. <laughs> you realize Dang it. Like I should have listened to what somebody else told me, or I should have listened to my gut. You know what I mean? Or have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Oh have yeah. Have you gone to a job and been like, I knew I shouldn't have done this. Yep. Oh, Kyle. That who give you the hardest time about price. Uh, so say that again, it, it, it hiccup. The jobs where you, the jobs where you've gone and you're like grinding your teeth going, why did I do this? Yeah. Has it always been the jobs where the client is making concerns about your price? Yeah. I, I would every, have to say yes. It's either every that time. or I'm concerned for them. Oh, you project the insecurity onto them. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, I, you, you, you assume, you assume, you know, I want to help this person out for whatever reason. And, you know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But you assume that, well, I feel like I could do it for this. And you start justifying on, on how low you can go. And, and, and then you're in there and you're, and you're actually doing the work. You realize like, well, this isn't really my time. Because here's the other thing too. Understand that when you're, when you're making low profit or no profit on that job, you sacrificed good profit on another job. It's just a matter of how you spend your time. Are you going to choose to spend your time doing what you don't want to do? Or are you going to choose to spend your time doing exactly what you want to do? Because the client didn't force you to do this. You accepted it. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault for being mad. It's your fault for agreeing to it. 
Boom. Well said. You know how you said, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we'll make emotional decisions as business owners. Yep. Well, if you're, if you're paving residential driveways or mm-hmm. you're striping commercial parking lots, your people that you're selling to are made revolutionary. People are buying because they want something that makes them feel good. So a driveway is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. There's always like levels as to why people want integrity asphalt to come pave their driveway. So when you Kyle's on the phone or your sales guy or whoever's on the phone with a client there and they're like, yeah, I want my driveway paved. You could just run over there and give a quote and like, yeah, sure. Do that. But like, if you get to the real reason why somebody wants something, you're going to start inherently bringing value to them. So like, what I mean is why, like what, what's driving this decision? Why do you want your driveway paved? Well, it's never been paved. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Why is it important for you to have it paved? Mm-hmm. Well, we know it would increase our property value. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Is there a specific reason why you're trying to increase your specific, your property value? Yeah. We want to sell it in two years. Mm-hmm. You've already like three questions, three mm-hmm. questions. You've gone miles ahead of mm-hmm. your competition because you now know that they are driving their decision based on a, a potentially selling their house. They want increased value. And so now when you talk with them, you can actually like and you know potentially just throw down some blacktop but in two years you're going to want something that's structurally okay let me just tell you a little bit about our process and how we'll make dang sure that when this goes up to market in two years you're covered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you they won't give a crap about the price at that point they know that right. they're in good hands right and then you can sell at the premium right because you know your competition is going to show up and say what do you want me to do yep that's the alternative is what would you like me to do you know, so essentially, I, I could go into a big, long conversation on sales, and I've got a big opinion on it. And I know that there are many more qualified people that will have a much better argument than me. But I feel like what I am passionate about, I'm I'm very aware of. For one, it's it's a given you're asking the wrong questions. Okay. But essentially, what you're trying to do is figure out what can I help you achieve? Because I'm not trying to achieve something here. You are. I'm just the guy that's going to help you with it. You know what I mean? So like, what is it that you are trying to achieve so I can give you the proper, you know? And so then when you're, when you're with, I think a good salesperson does more listening than talking. Okay. I mean, that's, that's just when you get into the art of sales, because it is an art, the, the realm, I'm going to go off on a small tangent. The realm of sales is very confusing because you have salespeople that think that they know sales because they're in a sales position. No, you don't know what sales is all about. You're just doing it. Okay. You are selling something, but the art of sales is something that I feel like is, is it's like Narnia. You know what I mean? It's hidden, but when you find it, it's magical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the art of sales, when you understand that you, you tend to carry yourself different as a person, you communicate different, you have conversations different, you do your job different and you sell different because it's the way that you carry yourself. Sales is not a position. Sales is a way of life. Okay. So that should be a t-shirt, bro. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
now I got to bring myself back out of that tangent and figure out where it, where it came from and where I was going to go with it. Um, but I think it, I think it was just that is that, um, I don't know. It's lost. It's gone. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. It was good while it lasted, but yeah, that, I mean that it's, it's true though. It's true though. Um, I, I did, I did have one thing that that's been on my mind that I didn't want to get too far away from. And that when we, you know, when we're talking about overhead inside a blue collar business. Okay. So one thing that will, so how do you relate that to something that doesn't have a lot of overhead? That's not a blue collar business. What does that look like? Um, where do you, where do you get your demand that, that uh, forces your hand? Okay. So for us, it's going to be dollars and overhead. Okay. And that a lot of times determines or dictates the way that we respond to a situation. So, okay. So what about for a business that doesn't have that? Let's say something in IT or something that's more labor driven or just knowledge driven. What's going to force your hand is your demand. When you start becoming, when you start getting in very, very high demand and you can't keep up with it, it's going to force your hand to make different decisions, to make different if, choices, to put efficiency in automation. Place. Yeah. Yes. You know, because ultimately it, the, the problem is, is you're not going to achieve what you're trying to, you know, we have high overhead. The high overhead isn't the problem. The problem is that we're not going to be, we're not going to be able to achieve what we're trying to, if we take this job versus that job. Your problem in a low overhead business is that if you can't keep up with the demand and have good customer service and good customer satisfaction, you're not going to be able to achieve what you're trying to. So how do you do that? You figure out how a big business operates, take those principles, put them into your small business and grow into it. Approved. Well said. You know, and so because me personally, I don't want to be looked at as illegitimate from somebody that has another business just because I do asphalt and they don't. Well, you do asphalt. That doesn't apply to me. False. It does apply to you. And it will apply to everybody else. You can choose to listen to what I'm saying with an open mind or a closed mind. That's your choice. You know, so I almost feel like I, I have to go on this crusade with that and, and, and kind of prove some credibility because if you can't deny that, then it's true. If you can't prove me wrong, it's truth. And that will also be confirmed by people in that same space that have gone through that because if you actually want to do something great, you're going to make big moves. Okay, if you want to just manage something small, it's going to be fairly small. But if you actually want to do something great, you're going to take massive action in large quantities. Doesn't always mean taking uh, taking on a lot of debt. It's true. It's true. I am very uh, I'm very pro debt, but that doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. Well, it might not apply to everybody. Bingo. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Like you might not need like what do you kind of feel like okay laser line painting we do a lot of striping right 
We, mm. In Canada, we call it paint, line painting. That's why I have to convert between the two. So we do a lot of striping. Like my city is only 70,000 people. Like there is a theoretical ceiling, especially mm. when you filter and pre-qualify out your not ideal clients. Like how big can this actually get? But rather than take on debt to buy more crap and crack filling and a seal coating and stuff, like we've done a pretty good job of like leaning in our making our butter, like not making our butter. What's the expression? I don't know. Making your bread. That's what it Uh, was. So leaning into your bread and butter? Sure. That's the one. I don't know. Something Something to do with carbs. I know that carbs and fat. And, and like, you'll save yourself a ton of grief. So like I, I, you, I know you see the same thing online, right? And I've had people in my Academy do this too, like brand new striping companies who are like one man bands or maybe them and a helper and they're all around a summer and they, and they're like, I really think now's the time for me to get into seal coating. And it's like, well, you're going to spend a lot of money to get into that. And you're only doing 50, 60 grand. What's driving that decision? Well, I can make more money. Mm-hmm. well maybe you could you could make more revenue for sure but that's the smoking gun you're talking about but would you not be better off to like increase the efficiency and the scale of what you're already doing as as not sexy as that is mm-hmm. it's if you're making under 100 grand it's probably the right answer that you don't need to add other services like maybe why not just grow and, and take action and take some calculated risks with employees Mm-hmm. Or creating systems and processes or mm-hmm. trying to like try somebody to take off some of your social media work so that you can focus an afternoon a week on outbound sales to drive more business. Like yeah. try those things. Don't just go into debt to buy crap. So when we took on a ton of debt in the last two years, that was with the intention of we're striping. We're going to be striping a lot. I'm going to be selling a crap ton of striping jobs. And this is what we're going to need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, not a wise decision so i'm gonna i'm gonna reveal something that's coming up and then i have got a a question that i would like you to respond to and then we will um work our way out of this episode um but what you just said it it, it triggered something with me so i'm starting something called the parrot group have i told you that Oh no! We, don't are, cut out. Are we frozen? Are we not frozen? No, no. It. it I did. I legit didn't hear you the first time, and then you went to say it a second time, and it just cut. Just as, uh, what okay, is it? So I heard the parrot parrot group. The parrot group. I'm starting. I'm. I'm working on starting something called the parrot group. And what the parrot group is is it's basic. I. I I'm going to say business consulting, but I don't. I'm not comfortable with that term. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I, I, it's something else. Be, and what it is, is it's going to target people in, you know, let's say one, two, three to five years in business and zero to 500,000. Okay. It's going to go over basics of business, right? So basics of business, which are very easy to lose sight of because as a business owner, a lot of times what happens is you get into a space to do the thing that you're good at doing, but you don't get in the space to be a business owner. The surprise is now that you're a business owner, 25% of your time is doing the thing that you thought you were going to do. And 75% of your time is running and owning a business. 
Okay. So if this is news to you, or if you feel like you weren't expecting it, and now you've been in the last three to five years wondering what you got yourself into, uh, you're not alone. So this is how you handle that. Um, but the reason it's a group is because you need four major elements of business um, or, or players. You need a business owner. Okay. You need an accountant, you need an attorney, and you need an insurance person. Or I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, um, a banker. Insurance is important, but you can get insurance. Those relationships need to be had between between the you as a business owner and all of those people. So the Parrot Group is going to have all of those people available inside that company. Okay. So I can talk to you about why accounting is important to me as a business owner. But if somebody has a very specific accounting question, I'm not going to be the one to answer it. I go to so-and-so. So why don't we bring him here to answer the question for you? You know, so it's a resource for small business owners to really kind of help guide and help offer clarity. Um, if I can... If I can talk somebody out of being a business owner and finding more reward in doing something else for somebody else, I would find that a success. And here's why. Because if you want to be a business owner, why do you want to do that? Do you want to own your own business so you can do the task that you like doing? Unless the task is owning and building a business, then you're not looking at this in the right way. You just haven't either A, found the right person to work for, or B, you don't know how to be the best employee. So let's say, I don't know, any sort of industry, pick pick one so we can pick on it or, or, or a job task. A job task? Can we pick, Stri can we pick striping? Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. We can pick striping. <laughs> Okay. All right. So let's say one of your employees says, well, I want to go do, I want to go start my own striping company. Why? Well, because I really like striping. You know what I mean? Like, I think I can do this for myself. Okay. Why do you feel the need to quit somewhere else to do it for yourself? Well, because I really like striping. Then find yourself a way to be more valuable at where you're at. You know, are you, discontent because you're not making enough money are you discontent because the company doesn't operate the way that you think it should or do you want to be a striping business owner like answer these questions for yourself before you just run off and do something else because what's going to happen is you're going to come back once you start to experience a little bit of growth you're going to be in you're going to be in 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 one of a couple places you're going to either be starving for work or you're going to try to figure out how to manage the work that you have. Once you get to the point of managing the work that you have, you now become a business owner. Okay. Because what you'll have, what will happen in that space is you're now not doing the striping. Or if you are majority of your time is managing the business and what you wish you would be doing to enjoy the time is now becoming a you know, it, it's, it's now not as enjoyable as you thought it was, as you thought it was. And I know that there is a lot of people in that space that I can say these things to, and it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks because they're in that space then. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right, now that you found yourself in a business ownership space, what do you do with it? Okay. Let's say you do want to own a business. The fastest way you do want to grow big business. The fastest way to do that is for you not to do the job, you not to do the service that you offer. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you're okay. Can I piggyback? Yes. If you're, if, if you're a striper and you work for me and you tell me, I want to start my own striping business. You know what I would do? Hmm. Like there, there, we have somebody who actually would like to start their own one day. And mm-hmm. I, I, like I told him, I could see the path for you doing this for sure. First mm-hmm. thing I would the book and say, read this. And if you read this and you tell me you still want to do the business, then I'll waive your NDA and you go. No mm-hmm. problem. What, um, what book was it? The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Ah, which is, I'm, I am almost done with that actually. Isn't it? It's, 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 it's the nail on the head. You might be the world's best striper. You might stripe circles around me, but that is such a, you said 25%. I think it's even less. I think this being the striper is an even smaller part of the business. Like I would agree. Thomas Keenan. He says like the task that you do in your service company is a $10 an hour task. So that doesn't mean you pay somebody $10 an hour, but it means mm-hmm. your business has $10 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, and $1,000 an hour tasks. Mm-hmm. Striping is a $10 an hour task. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a great striper. That's not going to drive your business. The $100 an hour tasks will, which is selling, mm-hmm. um, prospecting, mm-hmm. creating marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. The $1,000 an hour processes um, creating a structure and delegating effectively. Like if you just think you're a great striper and you're going to start growing, yeah, you'll probably have fun. But if you want to get to, to the next grow, mm-hmm. like you got to get out of striping, you got to get out of paving like yeah. Toronto. Yeah. And so, you know, asking the question of, you know, when somebody says, man, I really want to grow my business. Well, why do you want to grow your business? Well, because I really like doing this. <sighs> then I hate to break it to you, but you need to find a good place to work. Because really wanting to grow your business and really wanting to do the thing that you like to do, if it isn't growing a business, they don't line up. You know, and eventually, I'm not telling you what to do or what not to do. I'm trying to give you an insight on what you're coming into, okay? You might decide that, man, I really like this whole business thing more than doing the ta- more than doing the service that we offer. I didn't realize that until we got in here. You know what I mean? But just to let somebody understand and know this is what you're going, this is what you're going to face in order to be successful. If you don't want to run a business, then find somebody to run it for you. If you want to own it, find somebody to run it for you. You know what I mean? So, like, how do we get you to the point of achieving what you want? without being burnt out by the things that you don't want you know if you and and i just i say that because you see so many people the there's the reason and this can be confirmed by this okay the reason the banks will not lend you money within a three to five you know until you hit a three to five year earmark is because they know that the pattern of everything it doesn't last that long those are facts Okay, so you can't sit there and tell me that I'm wrong when that's the way our society works. 
the banks will not lend to you until you've put in time to at least not go anywhere. Because in that three, in that one to three year space, you determine whether this is right for you or wrong for you, whether you are cut out for this or you're not cut out for this. So if I can help you solve that problem now and either help you grow your business or help you grow somebody else's business, great. So essentially, that's what the parrot group is going to be designed for is um, small business basics. You you know I support this. Like that's what the academy is. The academy is people under two hundred fifty thousand dollars. We've had one guy over two fifty, but like these are these are smaller guys, part time operators who. Say, say that they again. Just, they, like the the Stripe Academy is exactly what you you have there. It's people who uh, they're good at what they do, or they started this two years ago, and and you know they're still striping, they're still paving, but they want to know the business part of it. Yep, yep. And so the reason I want it to be a group is because okay, so the reason why it's called Parrot is because I'm not I I'm not saying anything that's new. All I'm doing is repeating information <laughs> that I have heard or that I've learned. You you, you, you you froze there, but I, I I was presuming that's what it meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just repeating information that I've heard from coaches, lessons I've learned, this, that, and the other. Group means that there's more than me. I don't know everything, and I'm not going to try to know everything. What I'm going to do is I'm going to collect everybody, and as as a collective group, I'll just say it. You know, we we know everything. <laughs> I'll have I the confidence of saying that we can figure it out one way or another. But when does this when does this go live? Uh, so how I'm going to start it out, and it's and honestly, it's only going to be for locally. I don't want to advertise. I I don't want to spread this out across the globe. It's going to be yep. local for me, local business owners that we can meet in person twice a year. Um, I'll have these small. I'll, I'll call them small seminars, three to four hours in an evening. Um, once in the winter, once in the summer, and we'll have a couple people talking about a couple different things. I've got, you know, some local entrepreneur friends and, and then the people in the group also, but, um, very low key, very small, but providing a resource. Um, this is definitely going to be a passion project. So I'm going to, you know, it's just going to be all out of pocket, see how much, uh, attraction it generates. A couple of years will determine whether we're going to start charging for it or not. If we get to the point of charging for it, um, we're going to record all of the sessions as we build this thing and break them out into videos that we can then have on an online database. People can go back and watch them. Um, and then you're going to basically gain access to these people that you would normally have to pay for before. You know what I mean? So uh, the idea is not to generate money. The idea is to provide value and but also people's time is also worth something. So if you don't charge, then there's no value attached to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you also don't. Yeah. So. Well, that's, I'm psyched for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my, my, my question that I wanted to, to ask you is what is your general feeling around, let's say being a new business owner, with lots of growth because, and the reason I'm asking that is give me a real, a, a real honest feeling of what it feels like in your space when you're in the middle of, we'll just call it the, 
the fire sounds cheesy. When you're in, when you're in the middle of that growth, what does it feel like versus what it looks like? Hmm. Well, I don't know what makes sense. I think so. I don't know what it looks like from other people's perspective. Like, I think I know, but like, that's why I want you to talk about what it feel feels like. It's a good question because I've actually, this is something I'm guilty of is uh, not sharing enough of the journey with the lows and like mm -hmm. what comes with it. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Where do you start on that one, Kyle? I think I'll say this. Crew trucks and cargo trailers with our logo on it and our, and our orange lightning bolt, like our plow truck is sitting here. Like when, when people see that kind of equipment, they build an image of who they think you are and the kind of work you're doing. And they see, they see this shiny stuff. And obviously they don't get to see what happens behind the scenes. What happens behind the scenes is if I wasn't committed to accomplishing my personal and professional goals, I would have given this up a long time ago because the, um, the anxious moments of building this would not be worth it. Yeah. This year, especially 2022, like it's our biggest year. We went from like 400 grand to 1.1. I like almost tripled. Like that's awesome. That makes me happy. But my goodness, have there ever been troubles and trials and tribulations and difficulties and anxious moments and difficult conversations and near misses and like along the way. Mm -hmm. And if I, like, I, I don't do this. <laughs> says they don't do it for the money but like i live i legitimately don't do this for the money i do this because i see what this company can do for our employees and in providing something that they've never had the opportunity to get before mm -hmm. and the same thing for our clients yes there are people who will strike yes there are people who will plow snow but i can see the grief that is caused and like the, like our clients need something, a more stable presence. I do what we do. If I was doing it for the money, like I don't make that much money, man. Like I, I wouldn't be doing it. I don't know if I answered it. You, you did. You did. Because, because what I was, I got dog barking in the background. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but, um, what I was hoping to pull out is that, and I don't know why I feel like I have to get the rest of the world to know this or, or realize this, um, but because you value it, that's why, because I do, um, it's not that I need recognition, um, but I don't want to be misrepresented or misinterpreted either. You know, um, I don't. I don't try to flash things. I don't need to flash things. But when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, that must be nice. Or, you know, the it's like, man, I know something that you don't. And I wish I could get you to understand. And I don't know how to do that. And so then you can't. what that, well, it, it creates a disconnect between you and that person. And I just, I like personal relationships. Um, and so if I can get somebody to understand me a little bit more, 
then we can, we can connect on a different level versus just having this barrier between us because I'm a business owner and you're not, you know, but mm. what I, what I was hoping was coming out, what would come out and it did is that you didn't talk about, yeah, it was really sweet to grow three times. Like that was amazing. <laughs> you know, I wish I could do it over again. You would do it over again because of the reward at the end. But it's not like I'm really excited about what we're going to do because it's so pleasant to go through. You know, in a in a sixth sense, I feel like for business owners, it like the struggle is pleasant because at the end of it, we know what we're going to be capable of. So I'm willing to go through whatever it is that I have to go through in order to see myself and everything else at the backside. But it's going to take everything I have in order to do that. And I'm willing to go down that path. You know, it's, it, it's going to challenge every part of me. That's it. To the point Literally. where you second guess your choices. You second guess yourself. You second guess your choices. You start to doubt. You start to realize, what did I get myself into? I don't want to feel this way. I wish that I didn't have these problems. Like, and it affects your personal relationships. It affects, you know, your mental health, your physical, everything. So I think, I think some of our, can I just, I really got to go up with this last thing I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I think to a certain extent, um, a couple of, of our employees in particular have seen that in me this year, because literally this morning, um, our project coordinator in the office, we were talking about the difficulties in snow in the last couple of weeks, because mm -hmm. we've had equipment issues and my operations guy was gone and just a couple, a couple of headaches. We'll call mm -hmm. them a couple of headaches mm -hmm. issues. I don't call them headaches or problems or issues. Uh, she said, I could never run my own business. Could never do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I respect the crap out of people who have that awareness. So what you said about like, I don't know if I, I feel the exact same about you in the, in this way, like the disconnect that you describe between, you know, somebody who hasn't been through that and is not a business owner. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel that uh, it doesn't seem anyways, like I feel the same urge at the level of urge as you do as like trying to help them understand that. Mm -hmm. I just, I think um, like if somebody is like, million dollars oh you've got all these cool trucks with your logo on it and it's like oh cool shop and all this stuff like yeah you see that stuff i don't really it, i don't think it's important for me to have to go into explain to you the the anxiety and all the things that came along with it to get to that point yeah but it's there yeah i it, as you're saying that i feel like my I, honestly i feel like the reason why i you know because i, I don't always feel like I have to get people to understand that aren't in the same framework. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to correct that a little bit and say that I, I, I do want to bring that up for people that are in the same space. I don't want them to feel alone. Hmm. You know what I mean? And so there, there's, there's a, there's a, a little bit of both. Hmm. Yes. I would like you to understand me. So I'm represented um, appropriately. Um, but two, like, this is what the space looks like. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. This is what it looks like. So it's true. You Cam, can thank enjoy you very the much. I'm thank sorry, you, I'm man. 
<laughs> cutting off there again, but um, always good talking to you. Um, are you going to be, uh, are you going to be at MPE? I'm speaking on Friday, so I better be there. Sweet. Are you going to be there before Friday, Wednesday? Um, the blacktop banner kickoff is Tuesday night, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I probably show up to it. I'll just be a little slow. Okay. So what we've been talking three years and I'll finally get to shake your hand. I'm the most, ge well, no, Cameron Hogan is the most geographically challenged, but because yeah. like, it's just difficult to fly out of this stinking Canadian country. So I'm, I'm excited a couple weeks. I'll be there. All right. I'll see you Tuesday, man. Thanks again for the conversation. Peace, brother. Thanks. See ya.